Broadway for Friday, May 31st, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. Friday the 31st, I'm afraid. That's not how it works. Oh, sorry. And I, <laughs> I'm Broadway star's James Marino. James, we have uh, two real quick congratulations before we get into our show. First up, yesterday, Broadway stars Kara Lindsay and Kevin Massey announced that they are having a child. The married couple first met when they uh, did the, the I guess it eventually became a tour, but it started at Paper Mill Playhouse, the musical version of Little House on the Prairie. Kara Lindsay, of course, star of Newsies, currently in Beautiful. Um, Kyle Massey's been on Broadway in uh, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, Memphis, Tarzan, Big River. Um, I saw him in Gentleman's Guide on tour. He was fantastic uh, in the Bryce Pinkham role. So congratulations to them. Their first child will be born in November. And then also another Broadway congratulations, uh, Jordan Fisher, who has done a bunch of stuff on TV, including Grease Live, Rent Live, also was on Broadway in Hamilton. He proposed to his longtime girlfriend. Uh, she said yes. But the biggest news in this whole thing, James, is that Jordan Fisher's now fiance, who they've been together for a few years now, but they actually have been best friends since childhood her name is ellie woods no ellie really? woods yes so he <laughs> is marrying and she's blonde so <laughs> i'm just saying yes so um but she's obviously th that movie came out in 2001 so she's obviously older than the movie so we're not blaming her parents uh naming her that on the movie but Either way, there is that. But um, a couple other things. Tomorrow, James, huge day in the podcast feed. In the morning, Jan Simpson talks to the playwright behind Happy Talk from, uh, um, uh, I think, is that the new group, I believe, who's putting that on? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's Jesse Eisenberg, star of stage and screen and writer galore, um, erstwhile Lex Luthor. Uh, on the big screen as well. So uh, she will have that in the morning and then I will have my Tony omnibus episode in the afternoon. I'm still waiting on one person, actually two people, but one's been planned to do it on Friday morning. Um, another one who I keep going round and round on trying to get something scheduled with the oppressed person. So I'm hoping I'm able to get this epi this, this uh, interview into the episode. Cause it's what I'm really, really excited about. So hopefully we'll get that, but um, those will be in your feed tomorrow. If the fall goes according to plan, knock on wood, but uh, should be a really exciting a couple of episodes in the Broadway Radio podcast feed. Uh, also on Sunday, uh, this week on Broadway, we're going to do our Trini Predictions episodes. So, oh, fun. Uh, yeah. So uh, lots of stuff to listen to and give us feedback on. Let us know what your takes are on all of these uh, different things that are coming up. First up in the news, the reviews are in for Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune. Yeah, James, we're recording a little bit later than normal because the Broadway revival of this uh, Terrence McNally play officially opened uh, at the Broadhurst Theater last night under the direction of Aaron Arbus. The show, of course, stars Audra McDonald and Michael Shannon. And uh, James, we are recording at about 945. The, the big reviews, at least the ones that we normally consider the big reviews, the New York Times and Sarah Holdren at Vulture have not yet been released because they like to make us wait as humanly as long as humanly possible. <laughs> but we've got some great ones here. And if for some reason either of those two differ dramatically from what we talk about today, which sometimes happens, uh, we'll update you on Monday. But for now, the reviews were pretty solid, James. Good performances. 
the show itself might be dated and uh, might not work as well. But obviously with stars like McDonald and Shannon, you are going to have great performances. Let's start out with uh, looking at uh, Adam Feldman from Time Out New York, who gave the show four to five stars and wrote, quote, It is curious to see McNally's play so soon after the Broadway revival of Lanford Wilson's Burn This. Both are stories about a man who won't take no for an answer and a woman who might, after considerable hesitation, be cajoled into loving him. When Johnny refuses to leave Frankie's apartment, even after she threatens to call the police, the creepiness factor is hard to avoid, especially since Shannon has used his lanky frame and craggy face to convey menace so successfully in the past. But for more than two hours, these highly gifted actors, directed by Aaron Arbus and beautifully lit by Natasha Katz, keep a sensitive focus on the gawky humanity of their characters, holding steady through the ups and downs of McNally's emotional ride. They connect and they draw us in. In a lot of ways, Frank Sheck of The Hollywood Reporter agrees, writing, quote, this revival feels a bit glammed up compared to the acclaimed 2002 production starring Edie Falco and Stanley Tucci. Six-time Tony winner McDonald seems too elegant for the earthy Frankie, while two-time Academy Award nominee Shannon's history of playing villains makes his Johnny come across almost threatening, especially and unfortunately in the current Me Too era. It's also hard to believe either of them has trouble finding romantic partners. And yet, the brilliant actors make it work. McDonald superbly conveys her character's cynicism through world-weary body language and vocal inflections, while Sh and Shannon unveils his formidable and too rarely seen comic talents to hilarious effect. His Johnny is the funniest I've ever seen. If the resulting laugh fest slightly dilutes the play's poignancy, McNally's writing is strong enough to provide the requisite emotion. Their superb work proves that Frankie and Johnny in the Clear de Lune offers both timeless themes and eternal catnip to talented performers. Lee Greenblatt of, of uh, Entertainment Weekly gave the show a B in her review and said that the production, quote, feels both self-consciously dated by its references to Nancy Reagan, Charles Bronson and VCRs and refreshed by the restless energy of its two stars. She continues, both spark off McNally's crackling dialogue, dialogue like they're living the words off the page, breathing new air into this room bound in this room bound potty de Ultimately, though, even their supreme handling of the material can't quite justify shooting for this moon already explored twice on a New York stage and also on screen one more time. So, James, again, performances are great. The show itself might be a little rickety and might be a little dated, but it's hard to pass up an opportunity to see stars of this caliber on stage together when you have the opportunity. Oh, but James, stop the presses. Do -do 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 Here we've got breaking news because Sarah Holdren has published her review from Vulture. And looking at it quickly, she makes the same comparison that Adam Feldman did between this show and Lanford Wilson's Burn This talks about how Hollywood often releases similar movies at the same time, like Armageddon and Deep Impact. Um, but she says here, quote, perhaps for me, the current Frankie and Johnny is suffering a bit from unfair comparison. I found much to be interested in during Burn This. By contrast, while McDonald and Shannon are both fun to watch, their turbulent chemistry alone doesn't sustain McNally's somewhat overstretched play. Everything has phases, says McDonald's apprehensive practical Fran Frankie, and the play she's in has too many. Frankie and Johnny is a one act that's been inflated into two. It's not that witty. Compelling moments don't occur throughout, but the story only has one engine. 
will they or won't they? And the cycle of, in the immortal words of Rob Gordon, attack and defense, invasion and repulsion between the protagonist feels played out by the end of Act One. So, uh, again, she's a little bit more on the negative side of this. But again, basically saying the performers are good. The show leaves something to be desired in today's day and age. And PSS, PPS, P, is it PSS or PPS? I can't remember. Anyway, we now have the New York Times review from Jesse Green, who did make the show a critic's pick. Um, I'm not going to read too much of this, but considering it's a critic's pick, that should tell you that it's fairly uh, positive. But he said, uh, time has been good to Frankie and Johnny, which already had a fine broad revival in 2002. Its sentimentality hasn't curdled the way uh, it has in some of Mr. McNally's many other plays. For one thing, we are far enough away from its specific 1980s setting to see it without the coloring of that decade's concerns. AIDS is mentioned, but has little sting, letting the comedy rise. Miss Arbus making a strong Broadway debut after a decade of critical success off-Broadway seems to have realized that the comedy is crucial, not only because her stars trail tragic associations from most of their previous roles, but also because the play can teeter on the edge of bathos. Her strategy of dryness and detail and specificity, leaving the poetry to Natasha Katz's lighting, pays off. So a nice little uh, uh, plug for the director's Broadway debut as well in Jesse Green's review. You know, I, I, I'm, always, I'm always concerned about a, a play that starts off the season with such a big bang and a limited run. You know, will it be remembered by this time next year? Uh, well, we're, we're kind of seeing with Boys in the Band that it, it, I don't think it's been remembered in the popular discussion, but I, I think we'll see if it gets remembered in the Tonys. I, I think it has a chance to win a few, but we'll have to wait and see. All right. Next up in the news, Second Stage announces the star for the upcoming Broadway revival of Take Me Out. Boom. Called it. That's why they call me Miss Cleo. And by they, I mean me. That's why I call myself Miss Cleo, because I have a sixth sense. I see dead, pe dead people as well as casting announcements. Okay, in fairness, this wasn't as big of an announcement as I was hoping for, but I've got to save some face here. So uh, anyway, yesterday, Second Stage <laughs> Theater announced that Grey's Anatomy star Jesse Williams will play Darren Lemming in the next spring in next spring's Broadway revival of Richard Greenberg's Take Me Out to be directed by Scott Ellis. Darren Lemming Williams's role was originally played by Daniel Sunjata, a performance that earned him a Tony nomination. And uh, Sunjata and Williams have an interesting um they share a look. They're both uh, obviously men of color uh, and they but they both have like piercingly blue eyes. So I don't know what that's all about. That I, that kind of struck me when I saw that. Uh, anyway, the, the production is scheduled to begin performances on April 2nd of 2020 at the Helen Hayes Theater. And uh, someday I'll tell you my uh, story, my Daniel Sanjata story. Not really interesting, but one of my favorite New York run ins with a star. But anyway, uh, now, James, last month, Reports came out, and I missed this at the time, and I didn't know about it until Thursday after the announcements came out. But apparently Deadline ran a story quoting a British source, a, a British paper or something, that the role of Darren Lemming that Jesse Williams is going to play on Broadway had originally been set to be taken by another actor who actually led a reading of the show for second stage, I think, late last year. That actor was Jesse Smollett who obviously ended up causing himself quite a bit of trouble and eventually losing this job and probably many others in the future uh, as well. So interesting that Jesse Williams is now going to be playing, uh, getting his Broadway debut because of the bad actions of another actor. That report also apparently mentioned that Zachary Quinto is expected to join the company as well. So we will see 
if that does in fact happen. All right. Next up, our friend Robbie Rizell over at Broadway Records uh, is to release a new My Fair Lady EP. I thought that yes. was the big Steven Spielberg movie, right? No, that's E.T. Elemental oh. uh, Pink. Yeah, uh, yes, James, if that Take Me Out news hadn't hit, I was going to claim this is my successful prediction because while it is not a show or casting news, it is just as, if not even more, exciting to me. Because as you said, our dear, dear beloved friends over at Broadway Records, including the great and the good Robbie Rizell, are releasing a special EP for My Fair Lady featuring the luscious vocals of one Laura Benanti. The album will feature her singing, Wouldn't It Be Loverly? I Could Have Danced All Night, Just You Wait and Show Me. The album will be, be available at the Vivian Beaumont Theater beginning on June 4th and will be available elsewhere on June 14th. And if you follow at Diva Robbie, which you should, or and or actually at Laura Benanti, as you should, on Twitter, apparently there will be some exclusive never-before-seen, never-to-be-seen-anywhere-else Benanti-centric production photos in the hard copy of the album, so you probably will want to pick that up as well. Now I'm going to have to buy a record player. Well, I think it's probably CD as well. I don't know that they're doing a vinyl for this. Oh, I thought that it was. But also we should mention, I don't know, do you have it later on that Robbie hasn't slept in like 72 hours? <laughs> I have not, I do not have uh, a news item about Robbie's sleep schedule. No, I do not. Well, because he was, he's been working on the, uh, the Tony Award uh, album for yes. Broadway Records. So yes, that'll be just... available next week, I think. Uh, we'll figure it out and tell you about it on Monday's show. Okay, yeah. sounds good. All right. What do we have in other news? Okay, well, we're going to start off this final section of the week with a bit of sad news, and that is that the book writer for Pippin, Roger O'Herson, passed away on Monday at the age of 93. He also wrote the book for the Broadway musical Walking Happy, and while those were his only two Broadway credits of his career, he did receive Tony nominations for both. He also was a regular TV writer, especially for the live shows of the golden era of television. His son, David, is the playwright behind Broadway shows La Bette and Wrong Mountain. Uh, so... Godspeed to uh, Mr. Herson and everyone who loved him, uh, both personally and professionally. Okay, moving on to some happier things. Yesterday, Goodspeed Musicals announced the cast for their upcoming production of Duncan Sheik and Nell Benjamin's musical Because of Win Dixie. The show will star next to normal Tony nominee and original Nick Massey in Jersey Boys and the star of a 2015 episode of House Hunters, J. Robert Spencer. Also leading the company will be Josie Todd, Isabel Keating, Sophia Massey, Crystal Kellogg, uh, Brian Michael Hoffman, and more. The show, the show is scheduled to run from June 28th through September 1st in East Haddam, Connecticut. And James, with the success of The Secret Life of Bees off-Broadway, which also features a score by one Duncan Sheik, and that is getting a lot of rumors about it could be coming to uh, coming to Broadway. If that does well, and then this gets a good review uh, up in East Haddam, Connecticut, I, this one very well might have a, a trajectory to come to Broadway as well. But anyway, next up, heading out to the Windy City on Thursday, Chicago Shakespeare announced a five-week extension for the hit North American premiere of the new musical, Six. The show will now run through August 4th. The only question is who is going to be in the cast when the show eventually comes to New York. And James, I'm starting to think that, that, is a, that this is a Broadway or bust type of situation for Six, even though many people think it might be a better fit for New World stages. And finally, today, the Tony Awards, or yesterday, I guess, the Tony Awards announced the first group of stars that will be presenting at next weekend's Tony Awards. Next weekend. Can you believe that? We are, like, 
seven, eight days away from the Tonys. But that group of stars will include Darren Criss, Tina Fey, Sutton Foster, Samuel L. Jackson, Latanya Richardson Jackson, Regina King, Laura Linney, Audra McDonald, Ben Platt, Billy Porter, Andrew Reynolds, and the aforementioned Michael Shannon. The Tonys, as if I needed to tell you, will air on CBS on June 9th at 8 p.m. and will be hosted by Tony winner James Corden. If you need more information on this or any of the other stories in today's show, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. This has been such a day full of news that something has slipped between the cracks that we must mention. Uh-oh. What? Our good friend Lindsay Jones and the Collaborator Party coming up that we haven't talked about, but the Collaborator Party is only second to this news. Lindsay Jones is going to be do a one-person show tentatively ta- uh, titled Get Hot or Get Out. Uh, up at the Orchid uh, Project this summer. So awesome for that. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Oh, and I forgot to ask you, Matt, who do you have in uh, the game? What game? You know, the National Spelling Bee. I I don't even know what that is. <laughs> If it's if, if Celia Keenan Bulger is not in a spelling bee, I don't care. <laughs> I'm so proud of you for getting for yeah, getting connecting nothing. that so quickly. Yeah, the yeah. National Spelling Bee. So some pretty impressive uh, spellable kids happening there. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for wrapping up your week with us. As Matt said, we have a ton of stuff on Saturday and Sunday in the feed for you. And then on Monday morning, Matt and I will be back in your ears. We'll talk to you then. 